Well, good morning. So good to see you. And I like all of the guys and their Christmas ties. And the ladies have on red. Everybody's looking good. Uh, before I introduce this morning's speaker, a couple of things I want to bring to your attention. One is, you know, last week when the moods were here with us, they have given us the class, a book, A Hole in Our Gospel. It is written by the person who's currently the CEO of World Vision. I read it. I think it's a very inspiring story. And they have, again, given this book to us. You'll see their note on the inside front cover. And ask us, whoever would like to read it, to please read it. And then maybe put your name and the time you read it in the back cover. So I'm going to have it with me. If anyone would like to read it, just let me know. And I will certainly give it to you after class today. And number two has to do with two weeks from today, December the 29th. There's going to be time for a devotion. We won't have a regular class. You know, that's a Sunday when we will have one church service at 11 o'clock. We'll have our Sunday school time at the regular time. But I do need someone who would lead a devotion. If you would like to do that, please let me know again after class. Now, for the main event. This morning, I'm introducing, as they say, a person who needs no introduction, particularly in our class, Tom Knight has taught us many times, and always does an excellent job. He prepares lessons himself, and he teaches lessons not only in our class, but in other classes. He and Martha have been very active for many years at RUMC. I'll give you another little bit of insight into Tom. Weeks and weeks ago, he told me, now, when it's time for Advent series lessons, just plug me in wherever you need me if you want me to teach. So I didn't even have to call him. I just did what I did. So now is your time, Tom. This is when you've been plugged in. So please welcome Tom. Um, I sat out there and I noticed a problem up here. Are, are we expecting Santa Claus or something like that? I, I, I would like to be forewarned. So if you see ashes or something coming down the chimney, let me know so I can move over. Wouldn't want to interrupt the guy. Jim has put a hidden camera up there so he can watch. That's a good thing, too. I'll be on my best behavior. Um, it's always a pleasure uh, teaching this class. You, you all know that. You, uh, I love you all, and uh, you're you're very special people to me. So it's always a pleasure to bring a lesson to you. Um Today, um, we're talking about the second and third Sundays of Advent. So I get to teach two lessons today. As it turns out, I'm going to teach you three lessons because I've got an extra part that I want to bring in that we'll start with and then finally interrupt, uh, finish with. Um, the Advent material this year is a book by um, a fellow named James Harnish. He's a Methodist minister in Florida. And uh, you, you see my introduction on the screen here. And I put a title on it, When God Came Down. Um, that's not the title of Harnish's book. He says, When God Comes Down, present tense. I just think that this is really important to us. It ties in with the uh, the Peter Marshall prayer that, that Martha read, because Christmas is something that we experience. It's not something that happened 2,000 years ago. It's going on all the time. Um, Bob Moore taught the lesson two weeks ago, the first Sunday of Advent. Like I said, I'm teaching the next two. And next Sunday, um, I think Ron Peterson? No? No? Who's teaching? Ron. Ron Pete. Okay. He's the one going. Now, that's something we can really look forward to. Okay. Um, 
But before we get into today's lesson material, which is a story of, of Joseph and Mary, um, I want to talk about the Christmas story as presented in the Gospel of John. Now, those of you that are biblical scholars will say there's no Christmas story in the Gospel of John. On that point, I beg to differ, and I hope that you will appreciate uh, uh, what I'm uh, the point that I'm making here. Um, John's Christmas story, and I'm going to read it. It begins with the very first verse of John's very first chapter. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was light, and that light was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. That's John, first chapter John 1 through 5. Now I'm going to skip down to verse 14 of the first chapter. This verse is one that William Barclay describes as the single most important verse in the New Testament. Now, William Barclay is a scholar par excellence of the New Testament. Uh, he's a British scholar. He's died several years ago. But his legacy carries on. And if William Barclay thinks this is the most important verse in the New Testament, we better pay attention to it. It's not John 3.16. This is what he says. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Um, that's John's Christmas story. And I think it's just as relevant, perhaps more significant, than the Christmas stories that we're more familiar with that we find in Luke and Matthew. If you've come to the Christmas concert, you know that Mike Long used those verses, that verse, as his introduction to the Christmas concert. Um, I'd like for you to know it was my idea first. <laughs> I thought it was John's idea. <laughs> Love you, Dave. <laughs> um, this is a special meaning to me, really, to recognize that Christ was with God from the very moment of creation. He was there through all Old Testament history, and maybe that's why we see so much prophecy, so much foreshadowing of the coming of Christ all through the Old Testament. Um, this was a revelation to me that hit me between the eyes about two years ago, and it changed my spiritual journey. And we'll talk about more of those little aha moments as I describe them a little bit later on in, this day, in today's lesson. I think that's very significant. Jesus was not an afterthought. It's not something that God came up with after the creation had begun. He didn't decide on a whim, let's send my son down to earth. No, it, he was part of the creation. He was a part of God's plan from the very beginning. I think that's very significant. And apparently the Apostle John felt that was very significant also. Uh, John, you probably know, had the benefit of Luke's gospel as well as Matthew's and Mark's also. When he wrote his gospel, his gospel was the last written. But somehow he saw something more significant in the coming of Christ than just the birth of a baby, as important and miraculous as that was. He saw the coming of a light into a world full of darkness. He saw truth and hope coming into a world that was full of evil and despair. 
And that's John's Christmas story. And that's sort of the way that our teacher of today's lesson begins, because he introduces the Christmas story as the coming of a very bright light. That's an actual picture of a supernova. A supernova is a, uh, a bright light, a sudden bright light, coming into the darkness of outer space when a star, so millions and millions and millions of miles away from Earth, suddenly explodes. And the light that comes from that star travels through the, the millennium of space at a speed, the speed of light, 186,000 miles a second. And it may take it millions of years to reach our Earth. And when it does, you see a bright star like this supernova that's photographed here. Isn't that really the story of the coming of Christ? A, a bright light coming into a world full of darkness? I think that's what John was talking about when he prepared his gospel story. Okay, enough of this. We're going to get to more of the traditional Christmas story now. And we'll begin with Mary's story. It's found in Luke. If you're familiar with the Gospels, you know that the Gospel according to Luke gives us a much better story about Mary than it does Joseph. Matthew, on the other hand, talks more about Joseph than he does Mary, and we'll talk about both of them this morning. But I'm going to start reading uh, that uh, the Gospel story there, and it's words that you're familiar, very familiar with. In the sixth month, God sent the angel Gabriel of Naz- to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin place to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was highly troubled at these words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will be with child and give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord will give him the throne of his father David and will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. How can this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who was said to be barren is already in her sixth month, for nothing is impossible with God. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May it be to me as you have said. And then the the angel left her. Mary was probably about 14 years old at that time. She was not about to be prepared to have a child, but uh, it was about to happen. Can you imagine the things that were going through Mary's mind after the angel left? Um, she said yes to God, but don't you know that she had some afterthoughts? There was no morning after pill. The process had started. The biological changes were already beginning to take place in Mary's life. There was no turning back. But Mary had to have a whole lot of things to deal with. First of all, What on earth is she going to tell Joseph? How can he ever be expected to believe this miraculous story? How is he going to react? What about Mary's parents? What about her friends? What about her Girl Scout leader? (laughs) I'm glad you're awake and picked up on that. (laughs) But how can I ever expect anyone to believe me? 
And then what will it be like to give birth to the Son of God? What will be it be it like to have to raise the infant as the Son of God? Thank goodness Mary had Elizabeth. The angel had told her about Elizabeth, and Elizabeth was apparently going through the same miraculous process, or something similar anyway. So Mary knew that she had Elizabeth to talk to. Elizabeth would understand. The author of today's lesson gives us very special name to Mary's experience. And I'm not a French scholar at all. And I was hoping that someone in this class could help me pronounce these words. So have at it, all hundred of you, or however many are here this morning. Surely there's somebody in this class that can speak with a proper accent. Charlie. And Charlie. Charlie, 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 speak up, Charlie. All right, now what does that mean, Charlie? The virgin point, right on, good deal. All right, well, now from now on in this class, I, I want you to know that I'm going to use the English interpretation of those words. So, Will, from now on, thank you, Charlie, we'll call this the virgin point. And the author of today's material puts some real significance to those, to that uh, experience that Mary had. He says that the, the virgin point is the point when Mary allowed the Spirit of God to come into her life and do things that were otherwise humanly impossible. And he uses that as an example for all of us, that we all have an opportunity to have a virgin point when the Spirit of God comes into our lives, not in the production of a baby, but in the changing of our lives in a very special way so that we can do things that are otherwise humanly impossible. A wonderful story. And I love the way he starts out making that point. Um, and later on, we'll come, come back to that. But let's think in terms, again, of the Gospel of John and something that's described there. It's Nicodemus. Do you remember the story of Nicodemus? It's not exactly a Christmas story, but it's something that makes the point that we're talking, I want to talk about here this morning. If you'll remember, Nicodemus was a Pharisee that heard Jesus for the first time and was somehow impressed with what Jesus was saying, um, Nicodemus saw that Jesus was telling him something that he had never experienced before. He saw a weakness in his own soul that he wanted to talk to Jesus about, and he came to visit Jesus in secret at night. And that's when Jesus told him, you must be born again. And Nicodemus echoed those words of Mary. How can this be, he said. Uh, Nicodemus didn't understand, just as Mary didn't understand. But Mary, on the other hand, said, let it be as the God, as you have spoken. Mary accepted. Nicodemus at that point in time didn't accept, except he didn't understand what Jesus was saying when he said, you must be born again. So he went back out into the darkness. But the difference in, in Nicodemus, the thing that is so significant about his story, is that he continued to follow Jesus. He continued to hear the words that Jesus spoke. And in the final analysis, Nicodemus was there to help take Christ down off the cross. He provided the spices that anointed the dead body of Christ at that time. So Nicodemus also had his virgin point. It just took, oh, it took a longer period of time. And I think that's a message of hope for all of us, because not many of us experience the kind of virgin point that Mary did, but all of us experienced it over a period of time like Nicodemus did. And we're going to come back to that. Don't leave that thought. Okay, um, now let's look at Joseph's story. Joseph's story is found in, in Matthew, 
And I pointed out earlier that Matthew talks all about Joseph and very little about Mary. Luke, on the other hand, talks all about Mary and very little bit about Joseph. Um, the author of today's material suggested perhaps Matthew was chauvinistic. I don't want to bring that up. That's not really a valid point or a big, big deal. But he does spend all of his time talking about Joseph. This is how the birth of Christ Jesus came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man and did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him to do, and took Mary home as his wife. But he had no union with her until she gave birth to a son, and they gave him the name Jesus. Okay, think about Joseph. Mary had her problems to deal with, but Mary had no turning back. She was committed from the get-go. The biological processes had started. Joseph, on the other hand, had to deal with all of these things over a longer period of time. Joseph could have backed out. And Joseph, I'm sure, had doubts and questions all through this experience. Joseph had to be one frustrated dude. My gosh, let's think about Joseph's experience. First of all, the girl that he was very much in love with and had planned to marry suddenly shows up pregnant, and Joseph knows he had nothing to do with it. And she's telling him all of this story about uh, an angel coming and visiting her, and this is conception by the Holy Spirit. Joseph, I'm sure, wanted to believe Mary, but that had to be something pretty wild to him. That's never happened before. He had no idea what Mary could have been talking about. He wanted to believe her, obviously, but my gosh, what on earth was he expected to do? He's hurt. Wouldn't you all be hurt? Think about it, guys. You, you you really love this person. You're planning the, the wedding process. I'm sure it was already in, in motion. What is he going to do? He's hurt. He's mad. He feels betrayed. Um, and going through this story and thinking about Joseph, I had to wonder if Joseph had a covenant group. Um, <laughs> Mary, Mary had Elizabeth and someone that could talk to her and comfort her. I just hope that Joseph had the comfort of some men, perhaps some older men, that could at least listen to his story and understand the kind of things that he was going through. Um, Joseph must have had some serious doubts, but the miraculous part about Joseph's story is that in spite of those doubts, in spite of being hurt, all of the disappointment, Joseph did, as the angel said, he went ahead with the wedding and the the wedding took place. Not only that, but he agreed as a process, part of the process, to raise what the people were saying was the Son of God, what the angel had said was the Son of God. How do you go about raising the Son of God? Okay, Joseph had these thoughts going through his mind all along. I'm sure that he had doubts. I'm sure that, you know, Joseph had this dream where the angel came and talked to him. Well, Mary, on the other hand, has a, had a visit. Hers wasn't a dream. Joseph's experience, his message from God came in a dream. And how many of you have had dreams which seemed very real, and then an hour or so later you say, 
Uh, how on earth did I come up with that one? And you, you begin to drift into doubts. All of us experience that kind of thing. And two or three days later, you've forgotten the dream completely. Um, Joseph must have had those same doubts. Can't you imagine Joseph having those doubts? And those doubts continued. Um, but after the wedding, Joseph's problems didn't cease. He continued to have questions and difficulties and challenges. Um, I can imagine that after uh, after the, the wedding finally took place, there were a month or so of quiet time when he and Mary could finally begin to settle down and get things started with their new, new marriage and new home. But then comes a governor that says, we want the world to be enrolled, and Joseph, with his very, very pregnant wife, has to somehow make the journey to Bethlehem, the home of David, because he was of the house and lineage of David. Um, the journey from Nazareth to Bethlehem is about 60 miles. They went on foot. Mary is very, very pregnant. That had to be a difficult time for both of them, certainly. But Joseph is the man. Joseph is the husband. Joseph has got to feel responsible for all of these things. And then they get to Bethlehem. Guess what? There's no room for them in the inn. I think Joseph might have said, gee, I wish I'd made reservations. <laughs> so Joseph had a lot to deal with, and then when they find out there is no room for them in the end, Mary's labor pains begin. I mean, things get tougher and tougher for Joseph. And the Joseph, the baby that is born finally arrives, and everything seems okay. And then all of these visitors start coming in. Joseph has got to wonder, what on earth is going on? What have I got myself into? And about the time he gets used to all of that, King Herod says, I'm out to kill that baby. Wow. Well, Joseph's problems never end. Some people think that Joseph had been married before. You have to wonder. <laughs> Joseph said, boy. I wish I could have stayed with the first one. <laughs> but bless his heart, Joseph continued with God's plans in spite of all of the doubts that he must have had through all of this experience. There's something else in the Advent material that's not mentioned in our, our, our Bible anywhere that I don't know anything about that is another difficulty that Joseph had. And I think this is this is interesting. It's not biblical, but it probably is right since a minister wrote it. He says that according to the law of Moses, the Old Testament law passed down through generations of Hebrew history, a, a girl in Mary's condition was to have been stoned to death. Now, Joseph was an honorable man. He chose not to do that. But in doing that, he realized that he was violating the law of Moses. And I can imagine that Joseph, even being an honorable man, he struggled with that because he was indeed a very serious about his faith. Perhaps this was the first time it struck me as I was going through this lesson. Maybe this was the first time before even Jesus was born that the Holy Spirit intervened with the ancient laws to change them into something new, even before Christ came and was born on earth. So this is another little difficulty that Joseph had to deal with, along with everything else that was going on. In spite of all of his doubts and problems that Joseph experienced, he lived by faith. He never gave up on God's plan and God's promise. 
he went through all of these difficulties and all of the misgivings that he must have had in the process. Um, and living by faith is something that we can all live today, live with today. Joseph trusted in God, and Joseph had doubts. Just like Joseph, we have doubts, and that's okay. I think that we're all on a spiritual journey. We all have doubts. We all have questions, but we never give up on our long-term faith. We continue to pray. We continue to study. We continue to have God's word revealed to us. Um, and as we go along our spiritual journey, our doubts seem to fade away. Oh, yes, we still have doubts and questions, but they become less significant as we progress along our, our spiritual journey. Um, I'm certain that Joseph understood all of these things. He saw God's plan in action, and he understood that he had to follow that plan and that everything was going to be okay. I'm sure that as he progressed through time, just like we progressed through time, he saw his questions answered, or at least he understood things in the way that God would want him to do. It's sort of like an aha moment. It's the time when things begin to fall in place and we understand the way God has them outlined for us. Um, Nicodemus experienced that, and I think that's the important story about Nicodemus. Mary, on the other hand, had her virgin point. But for most of us, the virgin point is spread, spread over a lifetime. We're all on a journey together. Praise the Lord for that, because we have the support of everyone that's in this class, in our covenant groups, in our church. We have that kind of support that encourages us and supports us as we go along our spiritual journey. Um, I'm going to share with you this morning a couple of aha moments that I've had in the last three years. Um, if you've been listening to many of my lessons, you probably have heard these before because these aha moments inspire me to put together some lesson or a series of lessons that I really want to share with you. I've already talked about one um, when I really studied the Gospel of John and discovered that Jesus Christ was there at the moment of creation. A light went on. That was when I really understood that God did have a plan. Coming of Christmas was not just a whim. It was something that was a part of the plan, part of creation, even before the beginning of time. It was almost like that supernova that we talked about. An explosion that took out, that took, took somewhere out in space, millions of miles away from Earth, so far away that the light from that explosion has not reached our Earth yet, but it's on its way. Perhaps that's the secret of Christmas. Okay. My faith took another huge step when I studied the book of Hebrews. Something else that I've shared with this class. In the book of Hebrews, I discovered a continuous thread of truth that begins with the book, began with the book of Genesis and goes all the way through the, the, the Old Testament and even into the Gospels. It tells me that, yeah, that all of this does make sense because all of it ties together. Even some of the weird stuff that we think is so bloody and you got so bored at reading in the Old Testament, if you can get through those parts, you find that it all ties together. And then I studied prophets and prophecies, and I found all of the prophecies that are in the Old Testament, all of the foreshadowings of the coming of Christ, and that further convinced me and made me way ahead on my spiritual journey. It brought me to the realization that God does have a plan. God had a plan from the very beginning. That plan has not changed. When Christ came into the world in a flash of light, he brought a shining light into a world filled with darkness. 
Um, about 2,000 years ago, that occurred when Christ came to be on earth with us. That light stayed with us for 33 years, and praise the Lord for that. Then that light went out for just a few hours, and when that light was out, the, plug, the world plunged again into darkness. But then the light came back on again, brighter than ever, and that light started spreading throughout the world, and it's still spreading there today. Oh yeah, I still have doubts. I still have problems with Noah's Ark and Jonah and the whale. But I'm also convinced that the love that God brought down in Christian time, Christian, at Christmas is in our world today. It's still active. The lights are still on. As we go through history, the lights seem to dim a little bit, but they haven't gone out yet. I'm comfortable with the Big, blind, big Bang Theory because I know that God made it happen from the get-go. It was a part of God's plan, just as we're a part of God's plan here today. So that's my Christmas story. A, a beam of light that came to us at Christmas time. It's Merry Christmas to you. The light is still on, and the light will never go out. This I believe. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Let me close with a prayer. Holy God, creator of all things, author of our plan for life that, that you had in place in the very beginning, continue to bless us. Forgive us when we have doubts and questions. We appreciate your patience with us as we struggle along our spiritual journey. We just thank you for the love that came to us at Christmas time, the light that came on in the world. And as we celebrate the birth of Christ and experience the joys of Christmas one time of the year, we keep us reminded that your love goes on all year long. The light stays on. Praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Tom. Thank you, Tom. I want to say hello to somebody. Wilford is here with us today. Yes. Oh, yeah. There he is. Glad to have you. All right. Let me close today with our thought for the day. Uh, this is a uh, something I picked up, and we all lost a great statesman with Nelson Mandela's death, and this is from a word that he delivered once, and it says, a good head and a good heart are always formidable combinations. So with that, have a good week. Thank you.